Good morning and welcome to another edition of Today's Nutrition, where we look at what is new in research, what's hot in the news, or any topic that can affect our health, vitality, and longevity. Well, what a day to talk about sugar. Easter, when some of us still load our kids up with Easter baskets full of sugar, big breakfast with pancakes and lots of maple-flavored sugar syrup, sausages or bacon with added sugar. The Easter lunch has even more sugar. And on a normal day, the average person takes in about a half a cup of sugar, which equals about 150 pounds of sugar every year. Yowza. Anybody who's listened to this show for very long knows how much I disdain sugar and its devastating effects on the body. Sugar, 100% empty calories, and it's about 50% fructose, so that's correlated to liver disease, gallbladder disease, fatty liver disease, metabolic syndrome, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, kidney disease, of course, high blood sugar, cancer, dementia, lowered immunity, and it's also seemingly unrelated issues like hormone issues, like PCOS and low testosterone. I mean, I could go on and on. The science speaks for itself. And, you know, it just buries sugar six feet under. With all the research on how bad it is, people still ignore it, laugh and, and smile and just say, yeah, I'm addicted, but cancer, arthritis, dementia, hormone issues... Gosh, is that addiction or what? I know, crazy, isn't it? It's killing it, all of us, and yet we smile and ask for seconds. We love sugar. Uh, and over the pandemic era, we know that it is the people that have these diseases that fared the worst. Yet, did you ever get the message from our government or medical system that we should make an effort to get healthier, lose weight, eat healthy, exercise, take vitamins? Ha! Huh, rarely. Instead, every time I looked at my Alexa screen, it was giving me tips on yummy comfort foods. You know, ones that are going to make you feel better for a minute, hit that bliss center, also known as the addiction center, and don't worry about tomorrow, just enjoy. The national message never was encouragement to eat more vegetables and exercise and, you know, take your vitamins. No money in that. Really unfortunate that our government isn't putting the foundational health of its people first. And health has become kind of a political, and ill health is extremely profitable. little background on the recent history of sugar intake. And I remember this. It was soon after I opened the store in 1976. The original dietary goals came out in 1977. It was called the McGovern Report. Some of you remember George McGovern. You know, George McGovern ran for president. But the McGovern Report was actually a compilation of what a lot of leading nutrition scientists that were calling not only for a reduction in meat and saturated fat, but also sugar. The recommendation in 1977... 1977, remember that, that was to reduce America's sugar intake down to no more than 10% of the daily diet. 
1977, we didn't have any kind of an obesity problem like we have now. I mean, nowhere near three quarters of the population. You know, it was it was maybe 10%. Well, it hit the fan as the Sugar Association responded. Internal documents started flying and reported that, quote, the final conclusions are going to hang sugar. The McGovern Report has to be neutralized. So the National Cattlemen's Association and the National or the Sugar Association appealed to the Senate Select Committee to withdraw the report. Ultimately, when that official dietary guideline was released in 1980 and again in 85, they had indeed neutralized the report and it just said, avoid too much sugar. Gosh, whatever that means. And in 95, it got worse. It was, choose a diet moderate in sugars. What the heck is that? And then in the year 2000, it said, limit. But the Sugar Association lobbyists went back to work, and in 2005, the guideline committee dropped the word sugar completely, encouraging Americans And I remember this one because I was very involved with the National Dietetic Association and was aware of all the research that was presented to Congress. What happened after research was presented goes into committee, and then all the lobbyists get busy filling the ears of the members. Ultimately, the 2005 report said, choose carbohydrates wisely, lumping all carbs into one basket as if fruits and vegetables are the same as sugar. You know, people are confused, and it's no wonder. They think they're doing the right thing. Muffins, donuts, are carbs, just like fruits and vegetables, right? 2005 was a really bad year. Mind you, the Sugar Association Incorporated is quoted to, quote, committed to the protection and promotion of sugar consumption and will not allow disparagement of sugar, unquote pretty high and mighty for an organization that knows it undermines health, if you ask me. Now, get this, 2003, the World Health Organization released a report, and I want to tell you about it. The report was, again, all top-end, unbiased, evidence-based research and science that again called for a reduction in sugar intake to keep it under 10%. I mean, really, it's pretty generous to even say 10%. But here's what went down. Dr. Margaret Chan, who was the Director General of the World Health Organization, gave the opening address at the 8th Global Conference on Health Promotion. She said, and I quote, one of the biggest challenges facing health promotion worldwide is that the efforts to protect our top killers go against the business entrance of powerful economic operators. Now you can read that to say the Sugar Association and Big Food. That's what the World Health Organization says that their biggest challenge is preventing those people from getting in the way. Okay, Dr. Chan continues that in the 19th century, improvements in hygiene and living conditions led to vast improvements in health status and life expectancy. Control of all those infectious diseases, you know, everything from malaria, typhoid, polio, all that 
totally vanished most major killers from modern societies. That the end of the infectious disease and pestilence era was over. Then she goes on and she says, today the tables are turned. Instead of diseases vanishing as living conditions improve, socioeconomic progress has spread unhealthy lifestyles. And she further states, unhealthy lifestyles is not a technical issue. It's a political issue. It's a trade issue. It's an issue of foreign affairs. And she knows wherever she speaks, she has witnessed the political pressure from powerful economic interests her whole career. And a lot of them come from the U.S. of A. At the conference, to combat this lifestyle disease, the World Health Organization released this draft on a global strategy to address issues of diet and improve global health. That's what they're all about. The report was pretty mild, but it did say, limit the intake of added sugars. And let me tell you, the sugar industry snapped. They went ballistic and went into overdrive to regain control. After all, they needed to protect their interest, money. Within days, the Sugar Association enlisted the support of officials high in the U.S. government and led a vigorous attack on both the report and the World Health Organization itself, culminating in a threat to get Congress to withdraw U.S. funding to the WHO, the organization that deals with problems all around the world, AIDS, malnutrition, infectious disease, bioterrorism, and, you know, they're threatened because of its stance on sugar. I mean, can you imagine? The threat from the sugar industry was described by the WHO, the World Health Organization insiders, to be worse than any pressure they ever got from the tobacco lobby. They learned from the tobacco lobby and got even better. So as revealed in an internal memo, the U.S. government apparently had a list of demands to the WHO, including deletion of all references to the science. Dietary guidelines were going to be fine as long as there was no reference to fats, oils, salt, or sugar. Incredible. You can't say anything about the science, and you can't say anything about what people need to really limit. Thankfully, the threats failed to make the WHO withdraw the report, and it came out entitled Diet, Nutrition, and the Prevention of Chronic Disease. It formally launched and concluded that a diet low in fat, sugar, salt, and high in fruit and vegetables was required. May I put that in bold, required to tackle the epidemic rise in chronic disease worldwide. I love it. Fruits and vegetables. These chronic diseases are not inevitable. In case you don't know it, we do not have to get high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, dementia, arthritis, gallbladder disease, PCOS, autoimmune disease. Less than 10% of disease is genetic. It's diet. It's lifestyle. That's the key to health and longevity. No money in that. Now, here we go with the latest government guidelines 40, 50 years after the first proposed McGovern report. Finally. 
in the 2025 Dietary Guidelines lays out a key recommendation, 10% is the limit. However, that's currently exceeded by every age bracket in the United States starting at age one. Of course, the Sugar Association describes the 10% limit as extremely low. I mean, like that's only 12 spoonfuls every day. Mind you, there is no dietary requirement for sugar at all. If you never had another drop of sugar, you'd be fine. You'd be even better. I looked up a Starbucks caramel macchiato. has 32 grams of sugar. That's eight teaspoons right there. And your meal hasn't even started. 2017, the American Heart Association released their guidelines for children, recommending that they get no more than six teaspoons per day. And when you look at a kid's cereal, a single serving exceeds that daily limit. And the Heart Association recommends no added sugars for all children under age two. Small toddlers are to avoid sugar altogether, a recommendation that is so violated up to 80% of toddlers fail that one, starting with formula. You know, in the United Kingdom, their scientific advisory committee on nutrition, you know, they've taken it down to 5%. Yay, England. The UK, thankfully, they are protected from the influence of industries. Here, our best scientists give their best recommendation that they have sweat over. And then when it goes to the congressional committee, that's when all the lobbyists from big food can come in and do their best to protect their company profits. How'd this craziness get started anyway? Well, after World War II, our government began to support food production. We wanted calories. And so subsidies and other policies, you know, resulted in large surpluses, food commodities, eggs, meat, any calorie in general. That's why eggs and milk are still so cheap. And that's also why we got high fructose corn syrup. They needed an outlet for the overproduction of corn. So it's an artificial market. Large food producers and corporations, big ag, big food, have become very profitable and more powerful than you can imagine. And that's the problem. For perspective, there is an area of science called medical anthropology. And it identifies three major areas of human disease and mortality. Yeah, they really do this. And to help you make it, you see it a little more clearly, there is the age of pestilence and famine. Okay, that's over. Now, all the way to the now, what we call our era is the age of degeneration and man-made disease. How's that for a reality check? Aren't we smarter than this? You know, in the 1900s, you had top three killers were infectious disease, pneumonia, tuberculosis, and diarrhea. And now the World Health Organization says it's largely lifestyle disease. So, yeah, you know, we're allowing our addiction to sweet sugar take us down before our time. You know, it used to be when this country first began, we were taking in maybe four pounds of sugar a year. Then, in, you know, in 1850, it was 20 pounds. In 1994, it was 120 pounds. And, and now we're closer to 160 pounds of sugar every year. And in 30 more years, what's it going to be, 200 pounds of sugar? Ah, you know, so how do you kick the sugar habit that is eight times more addictive than cocaine? Yeah, eight times. 
you can see it in people's eyes when they eat sugar. You know, watch your kids today. If they eat Easter candy, you know, or if the adults, after they have sugar, happy, 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 then they need a cup of coffee when they start to crash. Kids are going to get really, really excited, run around, and then they crash and they get tantrums and irritable, or maybe not. You know, maybe they'll just keep eating it until they get plump and become a yet another statistics to our national health. You know, so how do you cook the sugar habit? First, read labels. See how much there is. You're going to be shocked. Ketchup, everything. Clear it from your house. If it's there, you're going to eat it. After a party, like today, after the party, send everything home with company or pitch it. Better for it to go to waste W-A-S-T-E, then to go to your waist, W-A-I-S-T. Besides, it really isn't food, it's empty calories, you know, replacing nourishment. I say study, read about it, know why, know how it's harming you. It's not just me saying it, it is the reams of research that all the scientists agree on, unless they're getting paid to say otherwise. Increase your water, load your fridge up on good things. And, you know, if you want to boost your reserves, you may consider supplementing chromium picolinate. That's a good way to support insulin regulation and blood sugar. Second things, add some sugar-busting nutrients to curb cravings. You know, be sure your multivitamin has zinc and C and activated Bs. Also make sure you've got enough omega-3. Supplement omega-3 in fish or flax not only helps with cravings and inflammation, but it improves insulin sensitivity. Mix protein, fiber, and healthy fat at every meal so you keep your blood sugar nice and steady. And lastly, lower your stress burden. If you think you're a stress eater, this tip counts as a double whammy because high levels of stress cortisol can disrupt blood sugar and increase cravings. You know, I love the 478 relaxing breath exercise that I have my clients do all the time natural tranquilizer. And here's how it goes. You inhale through your nose to the count of four. One, two, three, four. Hold your breath for the count of seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Then you exhale for eight, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have my clients do that exercise when they get up in the morning, 10 rounds, lunchtime, 10 rounds, then before bed, again, 10 rounds. It starts training the body to decrease stress, and that's going to help you kick the sugar monster. Breathing is a great first step for busy people. You know, as far as I'm concerned, sugar is public enemy number one. It is the devil with horns, and every time you take a step, to eliminate it from you, your life, that's an important step. And as far as the Easter Bunny goes, you know, I'm not going to shoot the Easter Bunny, but maybe, maybe we can have him bring more toys instead of candy. Thanks for listening to another edition of Today's Nutrition. I hope you learned something that will help you or someone you love. As always, you can listen to this again or other shows any place you listen to podcasts. Or you can go to my website, debford.com. I wish you a wonderful and blessed Easter.